Hello and welcome to CHN Radio, episode 52. I am your host, Greg Troxell. You can find me in Las Vegas, Nevada, or on Twitter at NUFC underscore Greg. Uh, we are the only true black and white podcast for Newcastle United, and I have to bring in the other half of it now. And this is my man, Eliza, doesn't root for the Columbus Crewsome. Oh, gosh. Okay. <laughs> Low blow. Um, yeah, my name's Elijah. I am the black part of the black and white podcast. Uh, yes. In case you were wondering. Um, and, uh, you can follow me on the Twitters at Elijah underscore Newsome. I'm excited to talk a little Newcastle today, you know, a little Newcastle. I'm excited about it. Yeah, it's going to be good. Um, maybe. Yeah. So, well, the reason why I say maybe is because it was, uh, a pretty, uh, dull, Performance for Newcastle United. They lost to Arsenal. We're going to talk about that today. Uh, what's your just quit take? I mean, it was, it was just boring. Review. And, and kind of a waste of two hours. But, you know, it was cool. I, I, like, <laughs> kind you of a waste nice of two hours is also a great description. Yeah, I mean, you and I, you and I both predicted a loss, and you were right. I think you said 2 nothing. So uh, that is correct. That is my second straight match with the correct result. All right, that's weird flex. One more, and you shoot till you miss. Okay. NBA is, jams rules. Is that how babies <laughs> are made? Anyway, all right. So, <laughs> um, so unfortunately, the so the worst part about this podcast is that we are not sitting next to each other for this one. Yes. Uh, but it, we'll make it work. But good news, it's longer because yes. it's a double pod. So yep, if yep. if you are getting tired of us after like an hour, then just stop and then listen to the the match preview for Crystal Palace. Like Wait, tomorrow. You, oh, oh, oh yeah, yeah. So yeah. like you stop after the Arsenal review. Like okay, I'm gonna take a break, and then like the next day you listen to Crystal Palace for the preview. Yeah, or just listen to it all at once. Okay, you could do that. I'm just, I was just saying, like, <laughs> you if could. you get bored with us after an hour, which you probably won't. But anyway, yeah. Anyway, let's get into a little bit of club news. And by club news, I mean <laughs> Steve McLaren. Yeah, that. Well, basically, uh, today is April second. Yesterday was April first. Um, <laughs> if you've been living underneath a rock, um, and QPR tweeted out that they had parted ways with Steve McLaren as their manager, which, like, I th- I don't think they realized that people thought, well, like, we're going to be happy about it. And they got, like, their players in, like, former players tweeted about it. Uh, like, it was, it was funny. Um, like, Jeff Cameron tweeted about it, and it was, it was an April Fool's joke. Like, he wasn't actually fired. But, like, they actually, I feel like they, they disappointed some people. Because Steve McLaren oh. is Steve McLaren. Uh, like, disappointed people because it was April Fool's? <laughs> yeah, because it was a joke. Like, because it wasn't a real. Like, I think that they actually made people mad. Yeah, I mean, I fell for it. Well, yeah. I mean, people don't like Steve McLaren. So. Yeah. Uh, like, everyone. Yeah, everyone, everyone, uh... <laughs> everyone, everyone on uh, replying to this tweet is like happy that McLaren's gone, and it's sad. 
But anyway, um, anyway, and then I guess the other big news that happened this past weekend, uh, besides Newcastle playing, was Sunderland lost the Check and Trade Trophy final. Um, so, I like, I, and then they acted like it wasn't a big deal after they had a petition to make the Check and Trade Trophy uh, be a part of Europe. Like, like if you win the Check and Trade Trophy, you go to Europe. So. Um, once again, another episode of Sunderland fans are weird, um, and yeah, so yeah, there, there's that, and then uh, the I guess some other big news that we the kit leak that um, we actually have an article about that on the site. You can check that out. Uh, we wrote a, a month or so ago. Um, the kit leak rumors are pretty much confirmed as the like I guess four stripe vertical uh, look for Newcastle. There was an actual picture of a legitimate jersey that was created. That uh that that surfaced yesterday, um and man people don't like it so um yeah shout out to Puma for disappointing a lot of Newcastle fans. Greg, do you have any thoughts on the the new kit? Uh yes I do. Okay, and it's I don't like it oh, at all. Okay, um yeah I think it's gonna be like the Atlanta United kit for me, which and this is getting real personal. But the Atlanta I hated the Atlanta United kit at first, but now I like it. So I think it's just like if you just spoon feed me like crap over the course of a month or so, I'm probably gonna end up liking it. Like you could legitimately um, feed me like horse poop and like my body would just adjust to it and like it. I think that's just how human minds work. Uh yeah. I uh I, 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 did you see the orange one too? No, I, I'm fine with the the bright orange and what's the other color? A forest green, I think. I'm gonna get the bright orange kit. I'm 100 percent getting that because I know you hate it. Uh, I'm gonna actually get you one, a custom one. It's gonna say Daddy G on on the back, and 69 <laughs> is gonna be the number. Oh, is that what it is? Oh yeah. Oh, we're oh, getting man. there. Uh, but yeah, so uh, the kits are uninspiring to a lot of people. Um, it should be interesting to see which away kit Newcastle actually wears more of. Will they wear the better looking one or will they wear the gross one? And if history is shown anything with Newcastle, they're probably going to wear the gross orange one more often than the nice four screen one. Um, anyway, uh, today Fulham officially was relegated. They lost to Wolves, I think. Hey, Elijah. Yeah. Yeah. I think Steve McLaren was actually sacked. What? This is break, yeah. breaking news. I think we might need to restart. It wasn't a prank. No, no, leave this in. Like let people realize that this is this is us actually getting Rick rolled by QPR right now. Yeah, I mean, QPR never announced that it was an April Fool's prank. So so Steve McLaren actually got fired. That's actually even funnier. Yeah, I, like this whole time I've been on Twitter, I was like, wait, I swear that was a real thing. And like didn't want to say anything, and, and it's a real thing. Like he's completely not the manager of QPR anymore. Well, good for QPR. <laughs> All right, well, that was unplanned. So we're leaving this in. Oh, yeah, we're leaving this in 100%. And if, you, right. and if you get mad about it, then you know what? You're fired, too. I'm firing you on April 2nd, so you know it's not even a joke. Yeah, I mean, we're not 
well, this isn't a QPR podcast, so yeah, I don't know. I would care. I mean, it's just a Steve McLaren. <laughs> you hired Steve McLaren. I don't know what you expected. I mean, we did the same thing. We've all made that mistake. They should probably go for John Carver next. That's probably the best best move next. Um, but yeah, all right. But yeah, Fulham lost to Watford today. They got destroyed four one. Uh, so they're officially relegated, which uh, brings up the fact that they tweeted. I mean, and I honestly didn't remember this. But Newcastle Twitter is just the best Twitter, and um, they have now resurfaced the tweet that Fulham made uh, when Newcastle lost them uh, 1-0 in the opening of the championship when Newcastle went down to the championship. Uh, and it said, like, welcome to the championship, Newcastle. And people are now retweeting that and quote-tweeting it. And, yeah, not a good look for Fulham. Uh, bad PR for you guys. Uh, so any, any thoughts on Fulham getting relegated? Congrats! You are now one more relegation away from competing for the Checker Trade Trophy. Oh, I have a, I have a, I have a little tidbit for you, uh, Greg. So I actually tweeted from the CHN uh, account, not the radio, the other one. I can't believe Steve McLaren actually got fired. Wow! But uh, <laughs> yeah, the other one asking pretty much, uh, you know, who would you want from Fulham? Um, and and uh, the results are pretty you know, kind of like what you'd expect. Uh, the most popular uh, one was was Sessegnon, obviously. Uh, he's 18, promising player, fills a need that Newcastle, uh, like, haven't really addressed. He's a left wing back, um, also a left back. So he would be a great guy, fits the transfer policy, 18 years old, British, you know, nothing wrong with that. Um, but obviously, uh, he's uh, going to be a highly touted uh, player probably the most expensive player i'd say him jean michael sari and uh probably mitrovic are going to be the ones that they could probably net the most for um if all three of them are sold um so that'll be something to just monitor and then people um also someone suggested sari which is a good suggestion as well since he's a holding midfielder um that you know hasn't been terrible um has played pretty well was is young and is a promising uh french prospect and uh, he would fill a need, especially because, uh, you know, John Joe Shelby could be gone uh, and um, Isaac Hayden could be gone and Mo Diame most certainly could be gone. So there's going to be a hole at midfield. Is there anyone in the Fulham roster that you would consider um, purchasing? Because, you know, there's going to be a fire sale. No. Really? No one? Yeah. I mean, nobody was good this year. Not even Sessegnon. So. No, I'm just. I'd rather have somebody that I know is going to improve the team than than a relegation buy. Like it's just no no interest to me whatsoever. Okay. Uh. Well, Trevor had one. Luca, Luca De La Torre. So there you go. Oh, okay. <laughs> um. And then uh, there's some fresh news from the U23s. You want to hit on that, Greg, real quick? Yeah, we beat Derby. Uh, Derby. <laughs> Um, we beat them with a wonderful three to two extra time win. Mo Sangare scored, Owen Bailey scored, and Maddie Longstaff scored. Um, so they're going to move to the final four, the semifinals of the that was a March Madness shout right there uh, of the Premier League Cup. Congrats to them. Pretty cool. Um, they they play Stoke. This is. Who they got? Well, oh no no no! That's their next game. I don't know who they play in the final. 
just want to point out to people that the U23s were up 2-0 during this match and blew a 2-0 lead. But that, yeah. that, that's, that's, the, that's, that's crazy. Um, but yeah, so uh, shout out to them. Uh, fresh claims. Rafa set on signing a new deal with Newcastle. Um, I think Luke Edwards was one of the first to hop on this story. The Chronicle as well has pretty much said this, but it seems that basically uh, Mike Ashley and Rafa Benitez's relationship has improved. Ergo, people are starting to think that Rafa's going to stick around. Um, and like you said, I think you either said this on during our last podcast or off air. I don't remember. But you basically said uh, that it's pretty evident Rafa wants to stay in England. Uh, he's moved his whole family there. He doesn't really plan on leaving. So um, are you shocked by this? What, what's your initial reaction to hearing that we'll probably have Rafa, hopefully, uh, at least for a couple more seasons? Um, I'm, no, I'm not. I'm not shocked that this is coming out into the news. They've obviously been talking about it. You know, we need a manager next season, which is uh, three months away. <laughs> so you got to got to lock something down soon. So I'm not I'm not surprised that they've been in talks. I'm not surprised that people are reporting it. Um, I just don't. I just. I don't know the validity of it. There's there's nothing in there that make me say that like make me feel good that it's going to happen. It's really just more of like oh sides are feeling good right now. It's like okay. Yeah, I agree with that. All I right. mean, there, yeah, there was nothing I read that was like made me feel certain that the deal was going to get done. Yeah. Um, it's still it, none of the news really addresses the fact that like like. I think both sides, there's there's like, you know, they feel good about it. But um, I think that there's still that issue of like, a, you know, written down transfer assurances. That's going to still cause a cog in this at the end of the day. Like, I think that's yeah. still going to be the thing that we're talking about two months from now when the deal's not been signed yet. So um, you got that going. And then just real quick, a little BS meter for you. You got a couple fresh ooh, links. Ooh, ooh, uh, ooh, ooh. Uh, first and foremost, Sean Longstaff uh, linked to Tottenham. Uh, he was apparently scouted by Tottenham. What do you what do you think about that? I think it is very likely. Okay. Because Sean Longstaff played against Tottenham. <laughs> yeah. So I know for a fact that they scouted him. Yeah, that was uh, Next. <laughs> a, a bit of a non-story. Thank you to the Chronicle yes. for writing an entire article on that. It was like us saying uh, we scouted Harry Kane, uh, which we did. We watched him. Our scouts were probably there, and they have come up with a shocking revelation that Harry Kane is good at football. Um, so didn't yeah. know if you knew that. But going into Literally, the... he started and played the full <laughs> ninety minutes against Spurs. Yeah. <laughs> um. But uh, let's see. Uh, there's a new transfer link that uh, Newcastle are looking to uh, replace Solomon Rondon with a striker. Uh, called Zay Luis, um, and you know this was one that was kind of brought up and shot down. But essentially, he's a 28-year-old Spartak Moscow forward. Uh, I guess he's had an okay season. I haven't really looked into it. Uh, but what do you? How do you? Do you? Do you? What's what's your? What's the level of BS on this? All right, you're you're running on a nice little trail, like in in the desert. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a pretty cool running trail. You ran it a bunch of times, and you just look to your left, 
and you, you're just like checking out the mountains, pretty good scenery there, and you just step in a massive pile of horse dung. Yeah, um, I'd, I'd say that. I mean, horse or camel dung. Uh, for reference, 28 years old, 17 appearances, two goals in the Russian Premier League. Um, so not really an exciting player, to say the least. And, like, it's another person who's older than Solomon Rondon. Um, and uh, that's... That you know the the trend apparently from the Newcastle higher ups is to go younger. Um, and then we got another one for you. My favorite, personal favorite, Newcastle are among many clubs currently chasing after the signature of Eden Zeko, uh, who of course plays in Syria and is 33 years old and is killing it in Syria, but he is also 33 years old. That is kind of it I have on Eden. Uh, I mean, for me, that's just like. A dump truck full of freshly steamed cow poop because like there's nothing about this rumor that makes sense yeah um <laughs> uh I, I a farm that lays out manure for fertilization okay and then they like load it into that everywhere dump truck. it's everywhere they Literally loaded, everywhere. <laughs> they, they loaded into that dump truck that I was just talking about, and then they just proceed to pour it on individuals because it's just not. It's just it's it's that's just a who like who thought to publish that? I just it wasn't. And that by the way, that didn't come from the Chronicle. Uh, that came from a different site. But still, like who would even think that that was remotely true? But yeah, um, I guess now we're gonna take a little ad break, and then we'll get into the Arsenal review. We'll be right back. All right, so we're back. We're, uh, like we said, like we said we would be. Uh, we're going to talk about Arsenal. Uh, we're, we can't wait to talk about this match. Guys. Oh, yeah. I mean, imagine trying to find a match that was better than this one. Maybe, conspiracy theory, maybe Newcastle purposely played like this um, just to not, never play on Monday nights in London ever again. Yeah, I mean... Well, to to quote the Chronicle, uh, what's up with Newcastle in London? <laughs> and uh, yeah. and Rafa's expert oh, opinion my. is that they oh, have better gosh. players. Oh my gosh, I put that, <laughs> I put that in Slack. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Uh, yeah. So we just. Uh... <laughs> uh that's all right. Let's not let's let's just not go down that road. <laughs> um. All right. So Newcastle. Zero, Arsenal two, uh, like I had said, um, and and it's it's another disappointing thing because you, you know, we had such good momentum, like, and you get stopped by this international break. But I mean, it's always been there. It's something that you always can predict is going to be there. But you know, we have to face a really good team in Arsenal on the road. And they, I, I read something actually, Elijah, after our podcast that they've had like a total of possible fifty-four points at home this season that they could have won, and they've won forty-six of them, which is like insane. That is insane. <laughs> I, the numbers might be off, but it, it's literally that close. If I'm off, I'm off by like two or three points. Um, so pretty crazy. I, I saw that set after we recorded, or I lost definitely would have thrown that in there. Um, but but let's start with the the starting lineups. What did you think? Were there any surprises 
for you? Uh, for the starting lineup, um, I mean, I was honestly still surprised that we went with the Diame Hayden midfield just because it, I mean, some people thought it worked the last match against Bournemouth. Yeah, sure, it was physically imposing, but I just think the Arsenal midfield is a little bit better than Bournemouth's midfield. <laughs> just a little. <laughs> um, and I think, a tad, a tad. Yeah, and I think that it's like no matter who you put in there, like the midfield's that the Arsenal midfield's going to perform well. And so I'd rather be able to plug in a player like John Joe Shelby, who's going to be able to generate offense on counters rather than a guy like Modiame, um, who's just going to, once again, kick the ball out of bounds. Uh, it happened again, ladies and gentlemen. So um, I forgot to write down the actual timestamp, but just just take my word for it. It happened again. Modiame kicked the ball out of bounds. Um, and this, this guy is in the Premier League. I just want people to just remember he's in the Premier League. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was honestly the only shot. Everything else seemed, uh, you know, pretty standard. I think we both thought Dummett, Lascelles, uh, Lejeune. Um, I mean, I had a brain fart when we recorded uh, this past weekend and forgot Lejeune was in the team. But yeah, and then I mean, everything else, it, it was it was straightforward. So. Um, yeah, and I actually want to apologize to our listeners for saying that Atsu was going to start. He wasn't even in the eighteen. Yeah, so even. that was a that was a nice swing in the miss there. That was that was a classic <laughs> international break, just like messing with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but Newcastle they started with a three man back. Um, Lascelles was in the middle. Dummett left. Lejeune right. Almiron was on the right. Perez on the left. Uh, three four three formation, and then we waited two hours. Um, it actually started pretty quickly. The twelfth minute. Um, Goal was disallowed for Arsenal. It was uh, it was Ramsey. He put it in the back um, from the back post, but it, the goal was disallowed because it was it was a clear foul in the box, and, and honestly, just a good call by the the referee to spot it and make the confident call and not really create any controversy with it. So happy with that. Mm-hmm. Um, then goal Ramsey does it again. Uh, <laughs> it was well just, placed. Yeah, he flicked the ball with the outside of his foot to, well, like he he put it to Lacazette. Yedlin gets him, but it like ricochets to Ramsey, who slaps on the goal. So like it was Ramsey, Lacazette, Yedlin blocked it, then it went back out to Ramsey. Like nobody's fault. It just just like the ball bounced. Um, but it it was definitely deserved. I wouldn't say yeah. I wasn't mad about it. It was it was they had it coming. They had all possession. Newcastle looked terrible going forward. We couldn't get anything done. The best moment up to that point for Newcastle's attack was I think Almiron had like he had done something and like won a won a free kick or something like you know cool. But other than that, uh, you know, and it wasn't even like a free kick in a good position. It was just like a, a foul he picked up. So. Um, but yeah, yeah it, it, oh, so, it was, it, oh, was it was deserved. I mean, and it was a good goal, and it kissed the saw the inside of the post, and you know, I don't know. I watched it multiple times. Yeah, um, and then and then right before halftime, Matt Ritchie saves the day. Yeah, uh, Dubravka rushed off his line to get to Otel, and it, it got centered back to Lacazette, and then Matt Ritchie like headed it off the line. It was like one like an incredible defending, great awareness by him. Um, pretty pumped about that, and that and that's one of those situations where like, okay, we didn't get a lot, we didn't, we weren't able to create anything, we 
We really looked vulnerable. Every time Arsenal attacked, we looked like we couldn't handle it. Um, but then you see that Richie clearance, and you're like, I mean, all we need is one, right? Yeah. Like, just to get a point. So it kind of gave you that hope. Uh, but, you, you, I mean, obviously we would have had to have been way better in the second half to get that goal, and then the second half started. Um, actually, yeah, what I was going to mention, we're gonna, I'm going to save it for a little bit later. But um, Obama Yang came off, came on for Iwobi. Um, Key came on. Hayden came off. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. Dubrovka made some saves. Buto came on. And then 80, what, 80 something minute um, <clears throat> game over. It was awful defending. Uh, Lacazette flicked the ball to Obama Yang. He headed it back to Lacazette and he lobbed Dubrovka and game over. Am, am, I, am I being too harsh with like just not, no, I mean, I don't think anything. There was maybe one chance Rondon had like an inside post shot that was good, but other than that, like, I mean, do you think I'm it's no? Too I mean, harsh? I think the front three weren't that involved. Um, I mean, I think there were moments you could see Almiron. He played. He had, he had some some a semblance of involvement. Um, I mean, I saw Matt Ritchie pass it to him. That was a that was a highlight of the whole match. Was Matt Ritchie finally passed the ball to Miguel? Um, I think. The, whole, the right side of the pitch is, is something that has to be addressed. I think, uh, I mean, I think Yedlin and Perez are kind of on their own separate islands, and I feel like there's not, a, they, 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 aren't, they aren't thinking the same tactically, um, and it just has led to just a bit of confusion, where it's like, you know Richie, and like with, there's, there's space and stuff being created with Richie and Almiron um, on, on that left-hand side. And there's just times where you're just like, Richie, why did you pass the ball to Almiron? But there's also times where just Lacazette, not Lacazette, uh, where Jose Perez is just like in the middle of the pitch, just like not anywhere near the right-hand side. And you're just like, what is DeAndre Yedlin supposed to do with the ball over there when he's the only one over there? There's two defenders coming at him, and Jose Perez is like nowhere to be found. So... Um, I just thought that the attack as a whole looked pretty bad. And then, of course, our midfield couldn't generate offense to save its life. Um, I mean, Key came on and was ineffective. Uh, Muto came on and was ineffective. Uh, Hayden was okay, I guess. And Diame was pretty bad um, in the grand scheme of things. Just, like, not a great match. Um, it didn't look like Newcastle uh, were already at the beach, you know, as people say. <laughs> Uh, but, yeah, yeah. It, but it just looked like that we played a team that was like that on paper was better than us, but it was still a frustrating loss in the sense that like Newcastle, if they had showed a little bit more effort, the same amount of effort they did against Bournemouth, they could have won. And I think that kind of comes down to Rafa because I think, you know, bringing on key was just not the right substitution for the midfield. In my opinion, I think Shelby, Brings a, a different set of energy to this team. I mean, and not having share there sucks as well, but because he also brings a different, you know, set of energy and mindset to the team. But I really do think that Shelby just would have been a better sub for a lot of reasons. And part of that is that, like, he plays with such intensity and, and such energy that he's going to, you know, really energize the team. And he's going to start causing problems in the midfield and he's going to, he's going to play decent balls and stuff. I mean, with Key, it just felt like we kind of regressed a little. 
So, I don't know. Yeah, no, no, great points there. Um, one thing, I guess, actually, maybe, maybe let's get into some quotes and stats. I, I'm, I'm saving what I have to say. All right, so, uh, are you good with that? Yeah, I mean, you're, you're being okay. a tease right now. I know, I know, I know. Um, I don't mean to. I just think, oh, this is a good time, and I was like, well, then we got to transition to quotes. All right, so, uh, Rafa said these kind of games are very similar. They are close as you miss your chances in terms of passes in the final third. Then you have to defend against a team that has pace and quality. Then you have to do the right things in defense, which we did for a while, but the threat we had in the first half, we didn't have in the second half. Um, It's just the final pass, the determination. When we were regaining the ball and going against them, we had two-on-two with Ronda and Almiron where we didn't do well. This final pass is the most difficult, and that's why you pay money for these players. We have been speaking all season – the final third is where you can spend 40 to 50 mil or 75 mil on players. Um, that's the quote that Rafa said, and which is very true. Um, some stats. We have, we have stats. Um, I found the stat for you. 42 points from a possible 51 for Arsenal at home. Hmm. You were close. You they said 46. 46 to 54, I think is what I said. Oh. So, I, eight point different, it's nine. I told you, it'd be off by a few numbers, but not not much. So, the only losses were, they lost opening weekend to Man City 2-0 at home, and then drew Liverpool 1-1. Um, and, and Wolves, they drew 1-1 also. That's it. That's the only time they didn't win at home this season. That's that's pretty insane, actually. That's, like, crazy to think about. It is. No? Yeah, I think I'm more amazed about that stat than you. <laughs> I think you're more amazed about stats in general. Fair. Absolutely fair. I mean, I hate right. math and numbers and all that <laughs> stuff, and you like that stuff. It just Yeah, I do. It scares me. Yeah. Well, anyway, <laughs> Newcastle, according to 538, still have a less than 1% chance of relegation after results for this weekend. That is wonderful. Um, they're still protecting us. They... Let us go down one point to 42. Is there what they think we're going to end up with? Um, so below us would be Southampton, Brighton, Burnley, and then Cardiff, Fulham, and Huddersfield. Um, so right now, uh, it's, it's still looking good. I mean, but it was just an ugly game. So now it brings me to this. Best player, worst player. Now, I, I really... Actually, well, before we're going best player, worst player, I'm going to say what I've been wanting to say. It's like Rafa's right with doing the you know 40 to 50 or 75 mil for for a player, but I have to say, now while I don't think the player is bad, I would hope for more in this game for Miguel Amaron and more statistics currently than zero zero. Um, so I just wanted to have a quick little talk about that. Could be an overreaction. And I do understand that in a game like this, you know, you can't really expect us to beat Arsenal when, like we've already established, they, they spent so much more than us. But you have a, a guy that was our is our record signing and isn't that high of a signing for, to, compared to the rest of the Premier League, but we kind of said that, like, he's going to turn up. And he really – he had that one, like, at Huddersfield. That's what I – Wanted to see more of, more flashes of. I don't expect him to perform that way every match, but I mean, 
we haven't really had much. And he, along with the rest of the team, was were absent. But I still would expect him to be the best player. Um, what's your thoughts on everything I just kind of jumbled up? I mean, I, I think there's a couple things. I, I think one, um, I do think that one of the things that I think Newcastle fans were excited about was that, um, that you know, it seemed as if there was no creativity in the final third when going on counterattacks. And I, I will admit that I think in this game, there weren't that many counterattacks for Newcastle. And if there were, like, Miggy wasn't as involved. But he did have a, he had a pretty bad game. He gave the ball away. He consistently was passing the ball um, in the wrong direction. And it could be mental. It could be uh, just, you know, not being used to playing with uh, the lads. But, I mean... Um, I do think that there's something to be said about this performance in particular, but I also want to, you know, want to mention that, like, there is a certain way that led Miguel Amarone to play, uh, to to be so good at Atlanta United, and I mean, it wasn't him being used as a winger; it was him being kind of uh, given free reign to go wherever he needed to be in order to help generate offense. Like he would, you know, not only be subject to being on the left side of the pitch. Um, but he would, you know, come in and collect the ball from the midfield and start counterattacks that way or, you know, you know, play, position himself after corners, you know, position himself um, when the ball's being cleared. And it doesn't seem like he's been given that positional freedom that made him so successful at Atlanta United here at Newcastle. It should be interesting to see if, you know, that ever happens. You know, if we switch back to a 4-2-3-1, is, is Miguel going to be in the middle of that or is he going to be out wide again? Um if I mean, I'm assuming at some point the formation might change, and so that's just something that to pay attention to. But I, I share that sentiment. I do, you know, think that this was a match where you kind of wanted more from him, at least more of him trying, and he did make some very simple errors, um, especially in the first half of just just giving the ball away. And he he looked better in the second, but the first half was just putrid. Yeah, yeah, it's it. I'm not saying it's it's a concern like a concern yet. I mean he's I mean it does. Everyone can admit it takes an adjustment to play in the prem, especially from MLS, um, and even players that come from La Liga need an adjustment phase because it's just it's just a different style. Yeah, I was so like, still it, adjusting. <laughs> well, even like Lejeune uh, admitted it. Said it was you know it was and he and he started off well with us. Yeah, but he admitted yeah it was it was a significant challenge for him to get started. So you can expect that, but you know I do want to see more from him, um, and and I expected him to kind of be that that piece that could still make something happen, that electricity that he that I know he has, but I haven't seen recently. Um, and like Rafa mentioned in those quotes, like we we need to work on that final pass. Well, you know that still hasn't changed from the beginning of the season, and we had a record signing. So that's just some, something that I want to see a little bit better. But now. Let's get into who your worst player is. Um, I, I, you know, worst player for me, I think was, oof, I, 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 I want to say Jamal Lascelles because I just think that he was put in an uncomfortable position and it led him to make a lot of mistakes. And it's been a common theme this season of when he's in the middle, he makes a lot of mistakes. <laughs> Uh, the middle of that back three, at least. Um, he makes a lot yeah. of mistakes. And, I mean, and, like, I know he's played in the middle before, um, but I think that, you know, having Cher or Lejeune on either side of him or uh, switching out with him or whatever, 
does what's much better for him than you know having Dummett. No disrespect to Dummett. It's just that um, having a left back playing purely in that left center back role just really limits um, you know the leeway that Lascelles usually kind of gets away with. And he's not been great this season. Um, and this was just another game that kind of exposed that. You could almost pinpoint the second goal to being uh, you know a you know, big part of his fault and. I wouldn't say the first goal was his fault. I think the first goal was just a lot of luck. Um, but, but yeah, I would say the second goal, he had a, a, a big part to play in that as well. But, um, but, yeah, LaSalle's is my worst player. Yeah, I only think one player on Newcastle side had a good day. Okay. Today, so just say that you'll know that by my best player. But, like, if you guys, um, like, say, oh, you, how come you didn't talk about this player or that player? Like, just know that all of them stunk except for the player I'm going to say is my best player. Um, but the worst player is Dubrovka to me. Um, when you are bunkering as much as we do in these matches, it's really important that we play well out of the back and the goalkeeper distributes. He, he made some great saves. He always does, but he completed 28% of his passes. It's very rare to see a single player commit like under, under 60%. And he, he completed less. He, his, Passing accuracy was at twenty eight percent. That's brutal. Yeah, I mean, I will he, say he had, this: he had that, over he had over twenty five passes. Yeah, I mean, I'll say this: that he had a like, well less than half. He was forced to do a lot of just like stupid long balls based on just how Newcastle were playing to guys who were just like not physically like they like they would get a touch to it and lose it. Like there was a couple where he just pinged something to like Diame or. Hayden in the middle, and, like, I guess they counted as an incomplete pass, and they would, like, get a touch to it and then just lose it. Like, it wasn't yeah. that inaccurate, but I still see your point. I, I just think that part of it was, like, he had to play these long balls, and it's, like, if everyone knows you're playing a long ball and everyone's covered, I mean, I don't know who you're supposed to pass to. And that was kind of... It seemed like at times it just seemed like he was kind of being forced to play a long ball. There's guys short, open, and then, like, he still has to boot it up field because I don't think Rafa really trusted us to generate offense out of the back. Yeah. Especially without uh, share back there. Yeah, I agree. And I'm so happy he's back. All right. Um, my best player is Matt Ritchie. He's the only player that like, I mean, there's only two players that had key passes in the entire game. It was him and him and Rondon. He, Bleated over 60% of his passes, which is a miracle. And he even won aerial duels. Um, he's just, he, I think he was the best of the worst. Yeah, I mean, I'd it's say so Matt depressing Ritchie. the way I'm, I'm talking it. I mean, I think Matt Ritchie had a, had a good match. I will say this I don't think Dummett had a terrible match. I just think, like, yeah, I, he didn't. I mean, it's hard to have a huge impact as a center back. Um, and usually when we focus our when we focus attention on our back line, it's because we've had a clean sheet or we've only given up one goal or they've had some sort of insane assist or Lejeune's like long. So it's like you have to do something pretty spectacular to get noticed in the back three. But, you know, I think he really didn't get beat that much. Um, and even when there was moments where Arsenal's attack was like, oh, we're going to we're going to target Dummett and Richie. And they kind of quickly moved on from that. Uh, once they realized that Paul Dummett actually knows how to defend. Uh, so there's that. Um, here's something that was pointed out to me on Twitter. Uh, Rawson in America has a lot to say about 
uh, DeAndre Yedlin. Um, I wanted to get your thoughts on uh, DeAndre Yedlin this season. Basically, Ross in America's been dis- this season. Yeah, been disappointed with him. Uh, it's consistently pointed out to us that he's the weakest link in the starting eleven, which I I don't agree with that portion of it because I think the weakest link in the starting eleven is Mo Diame, and arguably on some matches I was surprised, but that's a different conversation. Um, but I basically says that his job was to get forward and cross, and he kept turning backwards and did nothing. Um, and, I mean, let's see what else he said. Uh, Yedlin's been out of his depth. He's looked lost tonight. It's played, And for most of the games he's played, uh, he's looked lost. Uh, so what do you think about that? Uh, well, I, I just think that's, that's incorrect. Um, to, say he, to say he's lost most nights is incorrect. Um, he, he has a lot of flaws, and he definitely needs more positional awareness. But to, to say he's lost out there is, is just I – th- I, me personally, and it's no offense to you, Ross, and it's, I just don't think that's correct. Um, you take, like, our performances for this year, like, uh, and you, you put them against guys that, that play most of the time. Uh, like, I mean – He's not going to be a top half of our side, but I mean he's he's going to produce defensively at times. And he's going to produce offensively at times. Um, I mean, if you think he's that bad, why don't we just put in Mankio? Also, yeah, I mean, I, I would I would say but, I, don't, uh, I mean we just can't. Yeah, I don't think he looks lost most of the matches. I think people like to zero in on he'll make. I think he makes. I'd say it's it's fair to say Yellen makes about two or three mistakes a match. Uh, he usually overhits a cross, and he usually has one defensive gaff. Uh, I'd say this season, his defensive gaffs, I think only two or three times have actually led to legitimate goals. Uh, most times he's been able to recover. Um, but I'm also biased because I've been following DeAndre Yedlin literally since he's, he was at Akron. So I've actually seen him get better over the years. And so, I, I mean, it's like... Yeah, I think you think I, I would be like yeah if to the to a lot of not even a lot of people but to some people who want to pay close attention to Yedlin he hasn't been overly impressive this season but he's definitely better than he was last season he's definitely better than he was the season before um, and this is what one of our writers Mirza said when I asked him about uh, you know his thoughts on Yedlin uh, he says sometimes he struggles badly with the fundamentals making a simple pass occupying the right space. He's too reliant on his pace to close down since that works half the time. He doesn't care to correct his positional sense. I was hoping he's fixed that, but he's made very little progress in that regard. I would beg to differ. I think that he's gotten a little bit better at positional awareness. Um, yeah, I think if you look at... I, huh? I, I don't know. I, I agree with Mirza there. I think he gets better at positional awareness at the beginning of the season and then loses sight of it towards the end. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree I with that. I think after preseason, I think Rafa might be working with him or something. It'll start the season off really good. And then he'll, he'll get... All right, the problem is he's a defender that gets thrusted into an attacking role because of his pace. So it's... it's. I mean, he's playing, like, more than box-to-box. Box. He's playing end-line-to-end-line end line every match. And and he gets forced into that role to his pace. So, I mean, he has he's more prone to mistakes by that alone. Um, so it's, it's interesting. I, I get why people like slate him because of that but you know you also have to understand the role he plays yeah and, the role he and plays 
And, I mean, not everybody, no one can stretch the field like this guy can. It's true. And, and that and, puts and, him in oh, suspect yeah. positions. No, I'm just saying that puts him in suspect positions, especially, you know, if he's up, up at the top and he crosses the ball in the box and it hits a defender and they clear to the right side where he is, I mean, what's he supposed to do? Yeah. He's, he's supposed to be our main link in a, in a three, five, two swinging balls into the box. Like, I mean, he's not going to be able to get back for that. I mean, he's going to try cause he's fast, but I don't know. It's just positionally it's tough for him. And I, I don't blame him. I do think he does. I think part of it, there's a couple things that play as well as um, I, and, 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 and I just want to, this is a, Fairly unpopular opinion. I would say majority of Newcastle Twitter is pretty happy with Yedlin. Um, I think a lot of people don't really uh, see. Huh? Did you say something? Go on. Oh yeah. I I I, I, I think it's more fifty fifty. I I mean, from what I've seen, I think people get mad at him for certain mistakes, but there's no one. It's not as bad as like people calling like when people are calling for Iozzi to like not play. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's like people are like, okay, yeah, he's cool. I, I I don't think people are like, like, oh my gosh, we need to sell Yedlin. It's been like, Yedlin's yeah. been okay. It's I don't know. That's I feel like that's a general vibe. Is like he's all right. And then like when he does something, he's praised. When he has a really bad error, he's criticized. I think it's like pretty standard. Um, but I think there is something to be said about the fact that like when we were at a four-two-three-one, he was pretty much at his best and playing his best football and then we've switched to this three in the back and he's probably been the player um that's suffered the most like while Jose Perez has kind of been able to flourish in this system now that he's not relied on to create offense other players have kind of taken a step back and I think part of part of the uh the issue is one Jose is still kind of drifting a little bit too centrally and not really providing um you know providing uh, Yedlin with, a, you know, not he's not drawing enough attention to himself in order to provide Yedlin with the space to deliver proper balls. Um, and then the uh, there's a couple other things. The other one being uh, Matt Ritchie doesn't track back nearly as often as a normal wingback would because he's not a wingback. Um, and this is exactly what happens when you run a system that you don't have really the players to to run it with. And I think uh, DeAndre tracks back a little more often. I don't think I think that's a big reason why he's not as involved in the offense. He also is not the type of person to cut in uh, and create as well, which is what Matt Ritchie has done, you know, oftentimes. And so comparing the two, it's it's interesting because they have wildly different play styles, especially because you've turned one who's a pretty much a pure defender into a wing back and one who's pretty much a pure winger into a wing back. So it's like you get the exact extreme opposites of each other. Um, but yeah, I think that those are kind of the three kind of big things is that tactically a wing back position doesn't really suit DeAndre all that much. Like you would imagine with his physical tools, it does, but mentally and like tactically right now in this stage, I don't think it does. And I mean, there's some stuff that there's questions to be asked of other members of the team as well. But I mean, that's just a, a quick aside on Yedlin. Um, but yeah, uh, let's, let, what's the uh, lead table looking like? Yeah, uh, league table is we had some awful results for Newcastle over the weekend, and then Cardiff had to help things out. So that oh well, the referees had to help Cardiff lose for us. So thanks. Um, Huddersfield's in twentieth; they are relegated, as we said. Fulham's in nineteenth; they are relegated, as we said. And then comes the relegation battle. So 
From 12th down, I'll name the team. So 12th is Burmouth at 38 points. Crystal Palace, 13th place at 36 points. Then us at 35 points in 14th. Brighton, just two points below us in 15th place at 33. Also, same with Southampton in 16th, 33. Also the same with Burnley in 17th with 33. So we're, we're really, we're two points from potentially being in 17th place. But the good thing is we have a seven-point lead on Cardiff. Um, so that's 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 the big ups. Um, so and this this next match, I mean, we're, we're playing Crystal Palace. Uh, they're one point ahead of us. I mean, a win there, I don't think we get caught. But let's talk about that after this ad. All right, Elijah. Yeah. Do you remember this? A beautiful team called Newcastle United. Yeah, I mean, it was so long ago when we were talking about them. <laughs> uh, we're playing Card. Uh, oh, Cardiff. Yeah, we're we're definitely playing Cardiff. We're playing Crystal Palace. Who are going to show up like Cardiff? Oh, play awful. Nice. <laughs> um. Yeah. So. Uh. Pretty interesting. Uh, match up because they're we're, they're right in front of us, and a win puts us ahead of them. And the last time we played them, it was not fun. It was boring. So yeah, it was, and it was, uh, and uh, some would say that uh, they played a lot better than us. <laughs> um, so zero zero draw last time, uh, and we kind of got owned. Yeah, uh, they had they had almost triple the shots that we had. Um, they had over sixty percent possession. Um, you know, they they took it to us. Anders Townsend took it to us. Uh, everyone took it to us. But well, not Jordan Ayew. He was pretty bad. Yeah, he's awful always. Yeah, he's like I. It's I feel like they just throw him out there because they need another player. I think, like, their offense is really much like everyone else and feed the ball to Andrews Townsend and Zaha. And I, you just kind of stand there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that sounds about normal. Uh, yeah. So let's, let's talk about it. Let's let people know what to expect in this one. Um, just based on your initial thoughts. Well, I guess I'll, why am I? I'm out of it right now. Yeah, you are. All these this time zone life is really killing me. Um, injuries. What do you know about them injuries? What do I specifically know about the injuries? <laughs> yeah, okay. Cher's back. Cher is back, which I guess is not really. It's a suspension. I guess he's back from suspension. Yeah. So yeah. good. Good for him. For actually, you know, we don't know. Is he injured? Is he not injured? The world may never know. Um, <laughs> Rob Elliott's still out. Kieran Clark. Kieran Clark. Um, apparently still out. Uh, he had a knock in training last week, and we talked about that. Not not really sure if he's he's good uh, to return. Uh, Connor Wickham for full uh, for not for Fulham for Crystal Palace. Uh, he's he's picked up a training knock. Uh, Julian Speroni has a thigh injury. Amamadou Sako with a knee injury, and Papa Ndaye Soare uh, has dislocated his shoulder um, and has should have returned. Um, and I think he's just working his way back into training now. Um, so that they should they probably won't be you know 
I, I would imagine Sacco and Suare and Speroni are probably not going to play. Connor Wickham could possibly play. Okay. Um, thank you for covering me there. Um, now let's talk about starting lineups. Okay. What I think we're going to do here is not start Christian Atsu. Bold <laughs> prediction. I thought you were going to say the same thing I was thinking. Uh, oh, what's that? I think this is the match we finally go back to the 4-2-3-1. Um, no, I don't. I do. That's that's interesting. Why do you say that? Because there was like at least I think there was like some sort of reason to stay in the five in the back uh, for the other the, for the, the the previous matches, and part of that was that like we were able to create chances, um, and we were able to have some semblance of an offense. Um, and it, we just didn't have any sort of offense this last match. And so I wouldn't be surprised if we freshened things up, especially given like one of the reasons we were able to come back against Bournemouth and um, was because we switched to a 4-2-3-1. Uh, so I don't know. I just, I just have a gut feeling that like that was, it was just not a good, like tactically we got dominated by Arsenal, not even just, you know, from a, from a perspective of like, yes, they had better players, but like, our tactics just did not work. Like we could not advance the ball past the midfield for the majority of the match. And it really wasn't because Arsenal's midfield was pressing us or because Arsenal's defense was so great. Like their defense was pretty loose and had some holes in it. And neither one of their midfielders are really defensively defensive minded. So it was like, we just got flat out dominated tactics wise. I think it's time to change things up. So I would like to see a four, two, yeah. one. That's just personally what I would like to see. I'm interested in that, um, but what I would really like to see is, I want obviously I'd like to have Sharon, and then I'd also like to have. All right, so holla at me like this. I this is my like fantasy land, Greg. Share uh, Kieran Clark and Florian Lejeune in the back three, Rondon up top, then I want to see Hayden, and then I want to see John Joe. And then I want to see Matt Ritchie. I want to see uh, DeAndre Yedlin. And are you ready? Miguel Amaron and Muto. Interesting. Oh, yeah. Bring it. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> Bring it. I, I think we spent 12 mil on the guy playing. Yeah, I mean, we played him and he sucked. <laughs> Granted, he he got 10, 20 minutes, but yeah. <laughs> there was well, a, I know we played him here, but remember when we were at the beginning of the season, all we did was play him 10, 20 minutes. Yeah, right. And then we were like, well, give him give him something. He like you paid for him, so play him. And then we played it him, and I was like, oh, okay. And he it, he got a goal. Yeah, and he I mean, yeah, assist. true. I mean, like I think this is a good match to possibly experiment with, just because I think that. It could be. It could. I think it's going to be a little bit more open than the last match. Um, yeah. But I mean, I don't know. I mean, sure. I think my actual predicted lineup, because I'm. I think I'm going to go all in on the four-two-three-one. Um. I think. I mean, in the ideal world, I wouldn't start Jamal Sells. I mean, that's just personally speaking. But I think Jamal Sells will probably still start uh, Dummett out there as well. Um, not as a center back, just out there. Um, I think Lejeune 
uh, starts and, and the two in the back. And I think, and one of the reasons I think if you go four two three one, I mean Jamal Asell starts because Jamal Asell is significantly better in a two in the back system than he is in a three in the back system. And you know, one of the only gripes I have with a three in the back system is that there are certain players that are just so much better when we play four like two center backs or four in the back, whatever you want to call it. And Lascelles is one of them. You could argue Yedlin's one of them. You could argue Richie's one of them. You could argue Dummett's even one of them. Um, but yeah, so so I think we go back to it, and Yedlin's going to play as right back. Um, th- I would love to see Shelby and Hayden in the midfield. I think at some point Rafa has to just like give in and just play sh- start Shelby. Um, it's getting a little bit ridiculous at this point. Um, I think earlier you could kind of justify bringing him off the bench because he was injured, but he's had a full international break. Um, he's played well as a sub both times he came on, leading to comeback wins and win a comeback win and a draw. It's like give the man his props; he's do it. Um, and I think Miggy as a, as a number ten, um, and we'll get Richie out wide. And uh, you know what? Let's 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 give Muto a shot. Why not? And Rondon up top. Yeah, I would love it. Um, as far well, we kind of went over match play and stuff. Um, we, we kind of have two different ideas of what's going to happen there, but as far as like, uh, well, just because they're two different formations, yeah. <laughs> um, but as far as like, uh, how do you see, so last time we played them, they had a lot of the possession, they had a lot of the shots, but at home, so I think it's going to be a little bit of a different story. I think we're still going to play, uh, at least in the first half, I see us definitely playing like counterattacking, but. Whenever I say that, like Newcastle comes out all cylinders buzzing. So, <laughs> yeah, just guess, say that, and then I'll yeah, be like, yeah, I think you know, first half at least come out and counter a bit, see see if we can get something, and then uh, do what we do at the end of games, the home crowd recently, which just rampant. Yeah, I mean, I think that the crowd energy is going to be huge for this. If the if the crowd can back this team, I think this is going to be a fairly open match in the sense that I think Newcastle are going to have their chances. Crystal Palace are going to have their chances. And I think it'll be fun and fluid. If you look at this Crystal Palace team on paper, like there's not a lot that really separates them in terms of like quality from us. Yeah. They have some good players. They made some really good signings. Um, And, you know, you know, for some relatively bargain prices, but they have a couple stud players in Townsend and Zaha and uh, we have some stud players in our defense, and we have a stud goalkeeper, and I think our keeper's better than them. You could say certain players for them are better than certain players for us, but overall it's not to the degree of like, okay, we have to play Arsenal, we have to play Tottenham, or we have to play Everton, where it's like these midfields are, you know, 80 million pounds. It's, it's like a similar situation Newcastle in, where they spend yeah. a little and they have a decent side, and they're a mid-table team. So I think it'll be relatively open. Um, and I think that Newcastle are going to have to feed off that crowd energy if they really want this one. That being said, oh, I guess we'll do stats first. That's, <laughs> yeah, I do this. I've done this every single preview pod. I've just um, I've gone into my prediction before we've done the stats. Newcastle have won their last five home matches for stat, and we've scored at least two goals in all of them. Um. We have, however, conceded at least two goals in our last four, which is pretty high for us. And um, in in last of their in six of their last seven away matches, uh, Crystal Palace has scored at least two goals. 
So they've done well on the road recently, being able to find a net still. Um, that being said, Greg Troxel at NUFC Greg, going for his third in a row correct prediction. Newcastle United 2, Crystal Palace 1. Okay. Um, I'm going to lean to the size statistics here. I think it's going to be a 2-2 draw. Okay. I don't I mean I don't want to see us drop points at home, but you know, you have that crazy stat about us, uh, about us ex- conceding two goals and then pair that with their crazy stat about them scoring two goals on the road. It's just it's like, oh, okay, this seems like they're going to get two goals somehow. So I think it'll be a 2-2 <laughs> yeah. draw. Um, but yeah, that, that's kind of what I got. Uh, you want to get in some of these questions? Yeah, let's dive in. Let's dive in. I only got one question. Okay. And then we have the segment. Is that, do you agree? Oh, do you have sure. the same? No, I, I don't have any more questions than you do. All right. So um, the official questionnaire of CHN Radio, Trevor Mooney, he said, would you each take a point black? Wow. Would point you black. each take a point blank Zaha strike to your Sako? <laughs> If it meant Frank DeBoer was managing Crystal Palace this weekend, ensuring three points for Newcastle. Jeez, Trevor, Trevor. Um, it's a yes. Yeah, I mean, I think you have to. I mean, one shot for three points, I'm in, dude. But you know how hard it's they kick suck. those. Like, what if you lose a testicle? I knew a kid oh. in high school who right, was a right, goalie, right, right. and he got hit <laughs> in the balls, and he lost a testicle. Just throwing that out there. So, oh, man. I, I make you think, Greg. I make you think. It, you just, you got to consider some things. Oh, man. All right. So, you're out? <laughs> I'm out, actually. I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> made you think. I mean. <laughs> I have a question for you. Uh, I, I, I actually went back to a time where I was playing tennis oh. and took a serve to that area of my region. Yeah. Not ideal. Oh, so Greg, are the sports you played growing up tennis and baseball? No, baseball and basketball. Okay. I mean, I just wanted to. I was about to. Make I, fun I played of you for tennis, being but very like, white. But you, you, you <laughs> redeemed yourself. Yeah, I mean, I've I've played plenty of sports, but like actual serious ones, okay. baseball and basketball. Okay. I've swung a tennis racket twice in my life, so it's actually a lot of fun to play. I bet. Yeah, yeah. I just haven't. I bet squash <laughs> is fun too, and badminton, and all the racket sports. Yeah, and wall ball. Yeah, I, I don't know if wall ball is really a racket sport, but uh, okay. No, I just added that into the list. Okay, all right, that's fair. Um, here's <laughs> here's a new question for you that I think we should do more often: is if you could sign one player from the uh, opposing team, uh, who would you sign? Uh, are you talking about? Well, not so Arsenal. Crystal Palace? Yeah, they're the opposing team. Not Arsenal. Well, I didn't know if you meant Arsenal, too. Oh, I mean, I Arsenal, just... it's like, you literally, literally give me anyone on that team, and they start a Newcastle. But Yeah, all right, so if I had to sign one Crystal Palace player, what? who would it be? Yeah. Hmm. All right, this goes directly, this goes directly uh, into Rawson and America's Chirp of Yedlin. Uh-huh. But... Bissaka. I actually would. I actually would go with Van Anholt. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess not, but Bissaka's for me. 
Yeah, I mean, I guess the like or re- Zaha. Re- realistically, <laughs> I mean, Zaha because it's yes. like yeah, yeah. That is that is a guy that just <laughs> he is so good, and yeah. it's it's cool to see him getting his due diligence. He's been one of those, you know. I haven't brought up FIFA in a while. He's been one of those guys on FIFA that you know is good and that he's great in the ultimate team and he's good in career mode. And it's finally yeah. cool to see him get his due diligence this season because he's been absolutely killing it. So shout out to him. Uh, no Jordan Ayew. Interesting. Interesting no. there. No no Jordan Ayew. We hop into the segment? Yeah. All right. So uh, we got Let's a new segment it. for you guys. It's like, where in the world is Carmen San Diego? But it's, where in the world is this Newcastle, this former Newcastle player? And today's, where in the world is this former Newcastle player, is none other than Sim DeYoung. Uh, Greg, do you have any idea where in the world Sim DeYoung is right now? Oh, uh, yes. Uh, uh, Rotterdam. No. Oh. Sim DeYoung right now is playing in the A-League for Sydney FC. Oh, crap. I should have known this. I wrote about him going over there. <laughs> Which is just bizarre. Um, yeah. Just to give people some perspective, uh, Sydney FC have played 23 matches. Uh, they are in second place in the A-League standings, which the A-League is interesting, as in uh, it's kind of similar to the MLS, where, like, if you win the league, that doesn't mean, like, it doesn't. it's not as important as winning the actual cup that comes afterwards. So they have the league, and then they have, like, a cup tournament. And basically, if you win the league, you get, like, a two-round bye and go straight to the semis, um, which is sick. Uh, but anyway, Sydney's currently in second behind Perth. Um, you know, good for them. Uh, they've played 23 matches. Sim DeYoung has appeared in, nine, in 12 of those matches, nine starts, three substitute appearances, four goals, uh, just no assists. Um, playing as an attacking midfielder, center attacking midfielder. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, where in the world is this Newcastle player, Sim DeYoung, uh, barely making the first team for an Australian football team. So there you go. Interesting. And um, and just for the record, Australian football is not good. Like I I want people to understand that this is really bad for Sim DeYoung. Yep. Well, he's making money. He'll be all right. I don't know if he's <laughs> making that much money. A-League doesn't really generate a ton of revenue, but... Well, he's not getting paid by A-League, though. He's on loan. Oh, he's on loan? Yeah. Wow. That's insane. From Ajax. I looked it up, too. Jeez. That is... A 30-year-old going on loan, ladies and gentlemen. But yeah, uh... (laughs) (laughs) You got anything else? Uh, no, that's it. Oh, okay. That's good to hear. Alrighty. Well, that concludes... Our episode 5-2 of CHN Radio, I'm Greg, that's Elijah, and we would love you to share and subscribe and rate our podcast five stars, because it really means a lot to us. Thank you so much for your support so far, and we cannot wait to spend the next few matches with you, and especially our celebration podcast for safety. Hopefully we can get there so we can have that podcast, it's important. Um, Elijah, you're great. Greg, you're great. And... Listeners, you're pretty great too. Away the lads. We flew past Armstrong Factory and up to the Governor Dale. Just can't do to the railway bridge, the bus will flow off there.
The lasses lost the crinolines and the veils that hide their faces. I got two black eyes and a broken nose and gammon to bleed in raises. Oh, my God. 